I'm going to talk about Psalms 19. Where we live in a place now where pretty much everyone can read in the societies that we live in, right? And everyone more or less is pretty readily available access to the Bible, right? But it's easy to forget because we live in this stage now that that wasn't always the case. We didn't always have a Bible, certainly not in our pocket or on our phone. We didn't always have a huge segment of society who could read. Most of society couldn't read for thousands of years, right until modern education became a thing. Most people couldn't read. Most people didn't have a Bible, they were expensive, right? Books were expensive, right? So God being God, we now think that the way we get to know God, the way God reveals himself is through the Bible. You know, book of scripture. You might have heard that term, book of scripture. It's the Bible. That's what God gave us to know him by. Prior to that, and still, but we just forget about it, there's another book God gave us, and it's called the book of nature or the book of creation, right? So as you look around, all of creation speaks to who God is. It's God's other book to us, his gift to us. And you hear people say it sometimes, but we kind of forget about it. So the psalm I'm going to read today, the psalm I'm reading today, Psalms 19, is around that idea. So in Scripture, God outlines this to us, the book of Scripture and the book um, of nature. Right? So I'm going to read it, but I didn't want to just give a sermon because Shelley's going to talk as well later today, and I figured two sermons would freak the whole church out. So... <laughs> It was too much. It was one sermon too much. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite everyone to do a contemplative reading with me. If you haven't had a contemplatory reading or prayer before, it's basically just a, it's a little pattern I'll, I'll walk you through. But if you've ever done Lectio Divina or things like that, it's, it's based around that pattern. All right. So, but just to outline the psalm, there are three parts to it. The first part talks about God in light of the book of nature. So how God's revealed through nature. The second part, how God's revealed through scripture, celebrates God's revelation through scripture. And the third part is kind of an invitation to kind of, based on those two books, how do we respond to God? So I'm gonna read that, okay? Um, but contemplatively, so it's different. It's not just the reading. It's very, very different, but it's pretty similar to a reading. So, I'm going to just invite you to close your eyes as I read it, right? And not because it's more holy or it's special, but when we stop and close our eyes, it helps us just focus, right? It just helps us to not be distracted, not be in a rush, try to still our minds, you know, because we think about stuff all the time. That's the nature of the world we're in. We're always thinking about stuff, so stop. Just stop, and I'm going to invite God in, and invite him into our reading today. God of heaven, God of nature, God of this world, our creator, stop our minds and still our hearts. Help us to be at rest. Help us to enter your word with you, Lord. Be in here as you always are, but help us recognize you here with us. Still our souls, Lord. O oh Lord, the heavens, they declare your glory. The expanse, the sky around us, 
they proclaim the work of your hands. Every day, day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge to us. Yet there's no speech. They have no words. You can't hear their voice. Despite all of that, their message goes out through the whole world. Don't you see, all their words, they fly to the end of the world. In the heaven, Lord, you pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom, full of excitement, full of joy. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens, and it circles all the way to the other side. Nothing's hidden from its heat. Part two. Lord, the instructions that you give us, they're perfect. They bring renewal to our lives. Your testimony, the things you've told us of, they're trustworthy. They make the inexperienced wise. Lord, your precepts, the things you advise us to do, they're right. They bring joy to our heart. Lord, your commands, the things you say we must do, they're radiant. They make our eyes light up. They bring clarity to what we do and see. Lord, the fear of you, it's pure, forever enduring. The ordinances of the Lord, they're reliable, altogether righteous. They're just correct. They're more desirable than gold, than lots of gold, of pure gold. They're better than honey. They're sweeter than honey. In addition, your servant is warned by them. And when we keep them, there's an abundant reward. Part three. Who knows the sins he does unintentionally? Lord, even from them, please cleanse me from the things which are hidden. In addition to that, can you please help me not to do things willfully wrong? Help me not to choose to do the things I know I shouldn't. Don't let them rule over me. Lord, then I'll be blameless. I'll be clean from active rebellion. Lord, these words from my mouth and the things I think on of my heart, I want them to be acceptable to you. Let them be, Lord. Let them be. You're my rock. You're my redeemer. Father, I don't think I've ever seen an ugly sunset. Thousands and thousands of days you've given us on this world so far. And every day you paint the sky anew. And every night you show us the washing away of it. Lord, I thank you that even when we don't have the book of scripture, the book of nature talks of how grand you are and how great you are. And if we can't see, we can hear the birds. And if we can't hear, we can feel the sun. And if we can't feel the sun, we can taste the honey. Lord, you give us creation. And like the songs we just sung, we join in its cry to praise you, Lord. Because you are good and the whole world shouts it. And we want to join 
in that shout of praise to you this morning. Lord, help us each day. We want to remember your goodness and start the day remembering your goodness when we see the sun and the sky and the heavens. May we enter worship now remembering your goodness. Be part of our service, Lord, and help us to be part of it with you. Amen. Psalm 34. And one of the main reasons that I chose this psalm um, was learning it through being in a choir. And um, I know I've said this before, but I love singing scripture. And we've sung it this morning, um, you know, with John 3.16. And for me, it's a really great way. I'm not very good at trying to memorize scripture, but when I can memorize it through song, it's just right there for me. So... The reason why I really particularly loved this one was I had just finished being um, in part of a big choir in, in Te Awamutu. And I don't know if you've ever been in a choir, but it's actually really fun. And it's really um, when there's dozens of voices all singing together and in harmony and just being together, lifting our voices to God, it's actually really powerful. And this particular psalm has been kind of even made really more prominent through the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir in New York, um, and which I'll tell you a story about soon. But before I do, I just want to draw out three, three parts of this particular psalm that really resonate with me. I sought the Lord, verse 4. O taste and see, verse 8 and glorify or magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together in verse 3. So starting with number one, I sought the Lord. When we think of the word sought, what's another word that we would think of to say instead of sought? Seek, yeah, seek. And the really cool thing about preparing for today was I discovered that although the two are similar, and they're linked, there's actually a really beautiful, subtle difference between the two. When we seek something, we attempt to find something, achieve it, or obtain something. Like when we seek the Lord, we turn to Him. We desire um, to be in relationship with Him, to come into His presence, to come in with a need for help. Plus, we're also told to seek the Lord. Is this going to not work today, guys. I, okay, do I need to hold it up? Okay. It'd be great if it could. Um, when we seek the Lord in Psalm 105, it says, thank you. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Did I just need to turn it on? <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Um, and then it says, yes, there it goes. In Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So what's the difference between if I seek something or I sought something? What does it mean to sought, not S-O-R-T, but S-O-U-G-H-T? It's even hard to say the word in the right tense. As on its own, it sounds sort of funny, doesn't it? You wouldn't find yourself... You find yourself correcting yourself saying, oh, I seek, but you wouldn't say I seeked. 
So you, it was, it's actually a word that really only makes sense when you place a pronoun in front of it, like I or we or they, I sought, we sought, they sought. And the cool thing that I discovered that I just love about sought, it's even funny to say it that, like that, that is it's actually described to search hard. Isn't that cool? I love that. It means to dig deeper, to be more focused, seeking a specific answer on something, learning more from God's word, following through on verses that, you, that are linked to some kind of message or story that God has placed in front of you. And what does it look like to search hard, dig deep, sought after the Lord? Things like fasting, prayer, soaking our minds in scriptures or singing them like I have to because I can't remember them easily. Seeking community like being here today with others who love the Lord. Being repentant, obedient, or just persevering. Searching answers on something that is specific that you know God wants you to explore more. Finding the deeper meaning on something that just won't go away. And one prayer habit that I was shown recently that I really love, and it's another great way to help us to be really intentional and focused on our prayer life, and I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's called Hands Down, Hands Up Prayer. Has anyone heard of that? So it's a prayer posture that we take on, starting with our hands down, and then we change to our hands up or our palms up. The two motions that reflect a movement of our heart and our spirit into the presence of God. You begin with your palms down. You can rest them on your lap. You can place them on the floor. You can just hold them in the air with your palms down. And this stance represents, um, it, it's a part that reminds us of the fact that it's difficult to receive something from God if we're already holding on to something. You imagine a toddler who's struggling with something in one hand when they actually need two. And we say to them, Look, give me that and I'll take that so that you can use two hands. It's a bit like that what we're saying to God. He says, I'll take that for you so you can use two hands. Then by simply turning our hands over, our whole focus changes. We're now saying to God, I'm listening, God, ready to receive whatever you have for me today or open to his promptings. See, with our hands facing down to open, we pray for God's will to be done. We pray to give us our daily bread. Our hands are open, literally mirroring our desire to receive something from God. And it's also a time we can spend in silence, not telling God what we need, but simply being open to what God has to give. And here's the key. When you leave that prayer time, you can't pick back up the things that you put down. They're going to call you. They're going to beckon you back. But God has them now. And we've been given something much more in our open hands. So I really love that kind of praying. For me, I'm, it helps us to be quite focused, me quite focused. So when we pray like this, it's kind of the ultimate I sought. 
I sought the Lord. And in verse 4, it tells us the next part is, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Amen? Yeah, because when we seek him, we'll find him. When we seek him with all of our heart in Jeremiah, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's a real I sought kind of moment in that all of our heart, isn't it? I will be found by you. And God knows what it is to sort. He sought us first. He wanted a relationship with us. He worked through a plan to bring about restoration of the relationship we broke with him through giving of his son. He dug deep. So, number one takeout. Sought after the Lord and he will answer and we will find him. Okay, number two, I taste and see that the Lord is good. My heart did a little flip when I saw and heard what Al was doing this morning with the, um, the book of nature because we hadn't really talked about what we were each going to cover. And it's just so cool, isn't it, when God ties all these things in together. Because what does it mean to taste and see? To taste means to try something by experiencing it. And David encourages us to try God's goodness for ourselves and experience like you you do when you taste something, something new, a new food. Because tasting is one of our five senses and seeing is the other. We see the goodness of God created around us in our world, don't we? And in Genesis 1, after each creative act, God saw that it was good. And at the end of the creative story, God saw that the creation was not just good. It was very good. And Psalm 34 encourages us to experience God for ourselves, to open our eyes to see the goodness of God that is all around us. So tasting, have you ever had strange food combinations like bacon and banana, peanut butter and gherkins, balsamic vinegar and ice cream? Cucumber and honey? Would you ever? But until you've tried them, bacon and banana, oh my goodness, it is so good. Balsamic vinegar and and ice cream is so good. We need Elizabeth Taylor here to confirm that for us. I have tried it, and it's great. You have to taste it for yourself. And I guess what David's saying is we could look at those, look at him and the challenges he's going through. We could look at those food combinations and go, yuck, no way. But until you taste them for yourself and see, you don't know. And I remember just recently we were down in Topo and and, um, Bailey was there, our little three-year-old granddaughter, and she had these sort of um, pea pod chippy things. And um, Rex... Um, um, foolishly said to her, are they good? And she was like, yes, granddad, here, try one. And I could see him recalling, thinking, no, thank you. Anyway, she wanted him to taste them. For, you know, he wanted, she wanted him to experience them because she was like, it's so good. And he did. And yes, they were good. But David was saying, you just have to try it. I know you'll like it. Taste and see. Because when we take that first step towards getting to know God, we discover that he is good and kind. We have the joy of tasting and experiencing God's love. So number two, take out. Taste and see for yourself. 
don't recall or draw back from being fearful of claiming God's goodnesses until you've tasted it and experienced it for yourself. My last point, glorify or magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. In 2019, Olivia um, arranged for her and I to go to New York. It was my, like, I've only wanted to go to two places in the world, Paris and New York, and I had the um, opportunity to go to Paris with my friend Sharon, and then Olivia said to me, because she works for New Zealand, Mum, let's go to New York. And I was like, oh my goodness, we'll do a Craig moment. <laughs> and it was like so exciting. And one of the highlights that I, for me I had on my list was I wanted to go to the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And that is a church in Brooklyn in New York. So we got to New York on the Saturday and so we were jet lagged. We were up really early. So it was like, let's go. Next bucket list thing was hail down a yellow taxi. Hopped in the little yellow taxi over the Brooklyn Briggs, ch- chatting, taking photos. Of to- the guy must have thought we were crazy. We were super excited. We get over to the other side. And to my horror, the doors were shut on the Brooklyn Tabernacle. But then to my more horror, when we hopped out, there was a queue, and there was a queue that went down the road. If you can imagine it going down the whole front of the building, which was a really big, it's a bit like the St. James Theatre in Auckland, and it went down the alleyway, almost like a really probably as long as our alleyway here, and then it went round the corner. So we kind of like walked and kept walking till we could get to the end of the queue, and then it struck me, these people are queuing to get in to church. And we waited, and it was just the most wonderful experience as we, as we heard all these incredible international people speaking to each other. And, you know, there was one lady there, and she was saying, I told her it would not be good for her. Would she listen? No. And, yeah, and it was like, I was like having to, like, hold myself back from thinking, this is just, I could just stay here all day and listen to everyone talking. Anyway, I made up my mind. It was like, oh my goodness, I bet you what's going to happen is we're going to get to the front and the doors are going to shut because it's going to be full and I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like pushing. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, we've come from New Zealand, we need to get in. What I didn't know was that there's, it seats 3,300 people and they hold three services a day. Do the math. 10,000 people queuing to get into church, queuing to get into church. And it was everything that I hoped it would be. There was like a full orchestra there in the pit. The 300-voice choir was making its way up onto the stage. And there was just all these different languages talking around us in this amazing moment of being in this tabernacle to worship God. There was this really funny sign up on the wall, and it said, please refrain from standing the whole service. Be mindful of those behind you. And I didn't really get what that meant. I did once we started. But anyway, it was really, really incredible. And what happened next just gives me chills even now to think about it, was the first song that they sung was what? What do you think? Psalm 34. And it had, please do not video our performance, but I was like, bad person, like out with the video for 40 seconds. I've never shown, I've never been, it's like I'm not selling it, Tabernacle Choir, but I had to show it to our choir back in, in New Zealand to say, oh my goodness, look where I am, look what I'm listening to. Even the guest singer who sings the lead part was visiting for the day. It was like God smiled on us and like gave us such a treat. 
and the whole don't stand, please. It's like blew out the window because how could you sit when this choir is singing, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And it's really interesting to compare the order in which David talks about the structure of the psalm, and Grant touched on this last week as well, that he starts with the praise. And in verse 3, David's saying, glorify or magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Because David understands the power of worshipping together, singing, exalting his name together. He started there because he knew that it brought perspective to other stuff. We're here today, Kent Street, Frankton, not Brooklyn, New York, same God, who longs for our worship of him, our exaltation of his name, and what an honour and a privilege to be loved by a God who sought us, searched hard for us. We have restoration with him so that we could come together to worship and learn from him today. Magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name together. Let us bless his name every day and night, never-ending praise. May our incense rise. When we have sought the Lord, he answers us. That's searched hard. When we call, he hears us. He delivers us and saves us from our troubles. Taste and see for ourselves and discover the goodness of God firsthand. And here's the part I love. Together, we're stronger. We can encourage each other, share in each other's lives. Together, we can encourage each other to step out or step up and to try something new, to be obedient to God. Let's pray. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You truly are, Lord. And as David encourages us to experience that for ourselves, you wait for us and you smile when you realise that what you have is so good. As your church today, we magnify your name, we glorify your name forever. We would queue to get into this place, Lord. We would queue round the corner to worship you. We would wait for those doors to open just so that we could stand together and let our incense of praise worship to you rise this morning. Lord, we thank you that you hear us and you answer our prayers, that you hear our worship, our songs as we seek you. You promise to set us free from fear, deliver us from shame, guard and defend us, show us your goodness, supply what we need, listen when we talk to you and redeem us. We know we can trust you when we cry out, that we can take refuge in you, respect, revere and honour you and seek peace even when we are broken hearted. Lord, as your church, we want to search hard for our future direction. You are the God of sufficiency. And we trust knowing you carry us through this time of change at the moment. We want to be a church that says we sought the Lord and he answered us. We're expectant, Lord, of good things ahead and your will being done here at Agora. Thank you, Jesus, for Agora. Thank you for the people, your church. We humble ourselves to you today and ask that you take what we have and multiply it so your name is exalted. In Jesus' name, amen.